0: Hello everyone and welcome to episode 39 of The Stagey Place. Firstly, fun fact, 39 is actually my favourite number. And even though I don't want to jinx anything, I have a feeling my favourite number may also correlate to one of my favourite episodes. I joke, of course, every episode is special to me and I'm grateful for every guest who comes onto the podcast. But the wonderful Marley Hakko, who is our guest today, director and dramaturg, is also a very good friend of mine. And we actually worked together last year in November on a production called lovesick by georgina barley and we actually talk about the production in today's episode as well as marley's current work as director of proud which is at the king's head theater in london i'm actually seeing the show this week which is actually very exciting and getting to chat to marley about how she got involved plus what audiences can expect has really got me pumped for seeing the production. And before we get into today's episode, I also wanted to shine a light on the What's On Stage Awards, which took place this past weekend. It was actually my fourth year going to the What's On Stage Awards. I was there from 2017 through to 2019 and then returned this year in 2022. And it was amazing to see how audiences have voted personally for their winners and also nominations as well. To see the array of talent on stage or also, through all the musical numbers that were performed was incredible and I especially loved Amy Atkinson's I can't go back from pretty woman I haven't actually seen the musical but I have seen the number being performed quite a few times and to see it performed last night was actually really exciting for the first time actually in person so that was really cool and I will definitely probably be buying my tickets for pretty woman the musical to see how the array of awards went out to plays and musicals and actually how different it was actually really exciting So I just want to say that if anybody does get a chance in the future to go to any of the awards, whether or not that's the What's On Stage Awards or the Olivier Awards which is taking place this year in April do get the chance because it is a fantastic night where you just get to celebrate with so many other artists and it's a fantastic, fantastic evening. I could also give myself the award for the longest podcast introduction because this one has gone on for an increasingly long time and so I will leave it here and let you, the listener, whether you are old or new to the stage of place, to get the chance to hear my chat with director and dramaturg, Marley Hakko. I hope you enjoy and I'll see you on the other side. Hello, Marley. Welcome to the Stagey Place. How are you doing today?
1: Hello. Yeah, I'm okay. Thanks so much for having me.
0: Thank you so much for coming on. I've actually caught you at a really exciting time because yesterday you had your press night for Proud, which is currently playing at the King's Head in London. How did last night go for you?
1: Yeah, good. I think play has actually changed quite a lot during previews. I've cut some sections of the play. And I think last night was actually was the best performance so far, which is good that it was press night. And the play is just feeling a lot tighter and a lot slicker now. I feel like the actors really, really raised their game. Actually, I think the first couple of previews, just because it was a new space, we didn't get any chance to rehearse in the theatre. They had to get used to being in that space and also we had some props and kind of stand in bits of set in the rehearsal room but it was obviously not the same as actually being able to play with the set that we've built the play is very physical and athletic and I really want the stage to feel and the set to feel like the character's playground and I feel like yesterday they got more comfortable with that and kind of exploring and experimenting with everything that's there for them to play with essentially
0: Yeah, you just said there that it's changed quite a lot in the previews and we spoke before this recording as well, how much it's changed and how much you've had to cut and stuff. How important then do you think that previews are for a production? Because obviously this show is running for quite a few weeks. So actually you've got that time at the very beginning to like work out what works and what doesn't work. So how have you managed to make those cuts over the first couple of previews? Is it because you've been watching the audience and how they respond to the certain sections in the play? Like, how do you decide what gets cut in the previews?
1: Yeah, it's challenging. But I mean, to answer the kind of first part of the question, I think previews are so important. And I feel like I've particularly learned that this time round, because I think obviously we were doing runs in the rehearsal room and I was watching them and kind of had a few thoughts about maybe we should cut here and there. But I think suddenly when you get into the theatre with an audience, it suddenly becomes an exchange and a conversation. And you realise how the audience are responding to the play, and where places feel like it suddenly became clearer to me. The sections that were still lovely bits of writing, but weren't necessarily moving the story forward or digging into the characters in a way that felt really important and valuable in the way that other sections mm-hmm. of the play did. I think that the beginning bit of the play like moves along really nicely, and the last third is is quite funny. We've made it kind of quite humorous, and that kind of moves along at pace. And it was this middle section that I was feeling like it could just be tighter. And so, sort of eat preview, I was kind of snipping away a bit more and then just watching it last night it felt like things were in place finally and yeah the story kind of came together in a really lovely way and the actors adapted really quickly like we were kind of making cuts even in the theatre yesterday during the day and just they were responding so well to those live cuts that I was kind of watching scenes and being like we just don't need that or let's move this here let's try it and just kind of even at this late stage trying to keep the atmosphere of let's just play let's just experiment and see what happens and then when they do and they kind of relaxed about maybe just it's okay they didn't get the cuts perfect but just kind of adapting Mm. as best could, things started to flow a lot more smoothly so yeah,
0: and it's really exciting that it just keeps it on its toes and it keeps everything quite fresh and obviously yeah. you know, now that you've had the press night like you say it, it feels settled at the 90 minutes that you've got with the running time so we'll talk a lot more about Proud later on in this episode because it's very exciting and I'd love to know more about the themes and how you got involved but what I really love to know about all of the guests that come on this podcast is where their journey started and how the trajectory is from the beginning to where they are now, so Molly, can you tell me a little bit about your background to how you studied or how you got into this industry?
1: Yeah, I guess I've i kind of always been interested in theatre since I was really young. I was always doing kind of after-school drama clubs, and and I also danced from a really young age. And I think that's definitely informed my interest in movement now. So I guess like theatre was also always part of my life I'm also lucky because I grew up in London and my parents loved going to the theatre so we went to the theatre mm. a lot and that really influenced me I think I remember seeing something at kind of seven or eight and sort of thinking this is so addictive I just have to I want to do it all the time Yeah. so I think that kind of like fed my love of theatre from really young I guess like I started off probably like a lot of people thinking that I wanted to go into acting because I didn't really know about the other roles but when I was in sick form I had a really great theatre studies teacher who kind of introduced me to the concept of directing And it was there that I started thinking, actually, directing seems really interesting and maybe could even be more rewarding than acting. There was something about being on the outside of something and being able to kind of shape it all and create a whole world with characters. And then you start introducing things like set and lights and music and how you can kind of affect atmosphere and mood. As a director, that seemed really exciting. So I guess that kind of is where she sort of sparked my interest in it. But I also went to university and I did an English degree and I read lots of plays there. And I also use that as an opportunity to kind of look at practitioners as well. So I remember reading about Stanislavski, but also people like Michael Chekhov and Lee Strasberg and lots of people that kind of have have influenced styles and approaches to acting through the years, essentially. I also went to drama school for a bit, trained as an actor they kind of confirmed that I definitely shouldn't be an actor. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I guess like all of those things kind of came together and I kind of got into directing actually through dramaturgy, starting yeah. to just engage with playwrights and develop their plays with them and then it was through that that then people started asking me to direct their work as well.
0: Uh, let's touch a little bit on dramaturgy. We're going to be talking a lot about directing today. Let's just touch a little bit about dramaturgy. Do you want to explain what a dramaturg actually does in the room or with the piece at the start and did that really come from actually doing the English degree that you found that you, the dramaturgy really came to fruition?
1: Yeah, I think so. I think that's where I started to become really interested in in text and how yeah. plays were crafted and the process of like kind of starting with an idea and then how you develop that into a play that then becomes like a fully inhabited world. So I definitely got interested in that through my degree. But in terms of what a dramaturg is, I think it's someone that works with a playwright, or it could just be another creator. But I guess my experience is working with a playwright to kind of determine what it is this person wants to say or ask about the world or the people in that world and kind of helping them refine that and clarify it as much as possible. Yeah. So I guess it's about getting really clear with the writer about what it is they're trying to say and then helping them kind of realise that through the process of writing.
0: So let's move on to Proud then. So is currently playing at the King's Head Theatre. Do you just want to tell our listeners a little bit about what the production is actually about?
1: Yeah, so Proud is a new play by Bren Gosling and it's about a man called Roland who has grown up in a Jamaican Pentecostal community and just before the play starts, his mother has died but this has liberated him at 40 to come out as a gay man and it's about his relationship with a much younger man who he meets who is a refugee from Syria who also comes from a culture where homosexuality is not accepted and he struggles with therefore accepting his sexual identity and PTSD, the effects of the Syrian War and his escape have left him quite broken and with a lot of suffering, internal suffering that he's dealing with and that kind of complicates his relationship with the central character, Roland. And it's also about roland's relationship with his teenage son gary who is a difficult angry teenager struggling to come to terms with the fact that his parents have separated and his dad has moved very far away and yeah it's, it's about how these characters kind of coexist and how they eventually try and kind of understand one another through being able to communicate a bit better by the end of the play <laughs>
0: Yeah. and what attracted you to actually be a part of the production how did you first find out about the show
1: well, so yeah, I guess there's kind of two questions. So I first yeah. found out about it because I met the writer in um, a play reading group back in one of the oh. lockdowns in yeah. 2020, 2021. I can't remember now. And I started working with him as a dramaturg, So I worked on a few of his plays. And then he asked me to direct this one. So that's kind of how I got involved. But I guess I was interested in it because of the themes it explores are very contemporary and interesting. But also because it was an opportunity to get really close to these characters and their relationships. There was something really exciting there that there was a lot in the writing. But it also felt like as a director, there was loads to bring and to bring my style and things like I immediately felt like I wanted to make movement really central to the piece. It's, Mm -hmm. it opens on a basketball court, but I decided to set the whole play on a basketball court. And then I got really interested in this idea of games and playing and how actually our relationships are quite a lot like games often, there's a lot of power or objectives or kind of those sort of dynamics that I felt like actually by using this extending this game metaphor through the whole play suddenly felt really interesting and because I had this love of movement it felt like that was a great way to get movement in as well there were lots of things that made me feel like oh this is something that I want to kind of yeah take to the stage.
0: Yeah and I've been following a lot of the social media for Proud and I've been seeing that you recorded your trailer actually on a basketball court so did you actually get to also then do some of the scenes on the basketball court as well just to you know get an idea of you know where the play was set?
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, we were really lucky in in that. Yeah, so the, the basketball I found is a really beautiful court designed by artist Yinka Laurie. And I think just going there and being immersed in that kind of really beautiful aesthetic world of the basketball court was really exciting and filming we filmed Amir the the character that suffers with PTSD we filmed one of his panic attacks on the basketball court which happens in the play and I think yeah just even having to act a panic attack with other people you know we couldn't we weren't alone on this court there were other people around having to deal with that I think like you know the actor might have more to say about it but I think that was really interesting (laughs) but yeah it was great being able to actually go and be there and now we've kind of tried to create our own basketball court in the King's Head Theatre which is cool (laughs)
0: it's amazing so Molly we've actually actually worked together before in the past this isn't the first time that we've spoken because we worked on Georgina Barley's Sick*. I only pointed up there on our camera because the actual poster is up on my wall oh I'll try I'll try and show it actually during this there it is
1: Oh, great. It looks cool. I love
0: it. It's there on the far right. It's quite nice. Also, it's a, it's one of the A3 posters as well. The others are A4s. So, so it looks nice on the wall because it's down nice down, and big. Um, but yeah, we, <laughs> but we actually worked together on that production because I was your technical stage manager for that production. And like I say, that was written by Georgina Barley and you were also the dramaturg and director on that production. It was it was a wonderful production to be a part of. And what I wanted to know was, as a director, when you receive these scripts, whether that's for Love's sake or this is for Proud, how early do you start actually conjuring up these ideas that you have for these productions? Like, do you read them first as a reader and, like, enjoy the scripts and then it takes a couple of turns to come up with ideas and how much of those early ideas actually stick through to the final product of what we see on stage for you personally
1: yeah I guess it's different every time and I think I I try and read when I get a script to try and read it as neutrally as possible but I think it's really difficult to stop my mind wondering especially if there's something that that I feel like sparks my imagination or there's something in the play that I feel like oh really resonates with me or I want to dig deeper into it my mind immediately starts thinking how might this be realized on the stage and what kind of tools can I use to do that and I think actually both with Proud and with Lovesick and maybe this is just something that will carry through all of of my work I felt like movement and music were going to be really central to yeah. the pieces I think partly because I guess this is particularly just to talk about Love Stick for a moment that it asks a lot of complex questions and engages with a lot of themes in quite a short amount of time especially we're doing it in fringe theatres it couldn't be a big sort of two and a half hour play with an interval we had to get the running time down and with that the, the play kind of developed outwards and then we kind of compressed it back down again and that meant like it was very very tightly wrought and the play the writing writing Georgian's writing is beautiful but it's, it's also very dense there's lots being packed into sort of every line actually and with, with the, the verse sections as well and the characters are very meaty and I think I felt like one that was really exciting just the, the prospect of being able to kind of draw out multiple meanings in lots of the text through my direction, but also by using movement and music to, to kind of support that and mm. to give the audience a bit of a breather. When there's like lots of dense writing, it feels like maybe they needed something, another lens onto the characters or their experience that they don't always get through the writing. But it was also a moment to like, to let the text breathe and absorb what's just happened in a scene or to allude to maybe what's coming in a scene. And also because yeah. all the, the players are two is pretty much a two-hander all the scenes take place as interactions between these two central characters it was also a moment we see them in in private moments where the scenes don't necessarily allow for that so i guess those kind of things are there early on with proud the movement and the athletic side i was interested in from the beginning but also um music um i mean I'm, i'm working with this brilliant composer called Akosh. And I wanted to use the music to explore the clash of cultures, the Jamaican Caribbean background that Roland has mm. and the Arabic culture that um, Amir comes from. Because it's there in the play, but it, it's not that explored. I wanted to use something like music to kind of bring in those notes where the text doesn't necessarily explicitly discuss them. And I, I remember talking to Akosh like ages ago when we first he first got involved in the project And I'd created this playlist of kind of Jamaican Arabic music and I kind of said I wanted a fusion. And I think he was like, how is, you know, I'm not sure that's going to work. And I was like, I think we should just try it. I mean, it was absolutely brilliant. And if you come and see the play, you will hear his beautiful score. I couldn't have imagined something more fitting for what I wanted. So that was pretty cool. But yeah.
0: Yeah, and that's also really exciting as well, because I think recently I've been working on projects that have involved intimacy coordinators and movement directors and just other creatives that actually get to put something original and fresh in a production. How exciting mm-hmm. is it actually then as a director to then work with these creators and not just use like, you know, free domain tracks and stuff that you can find online, that you've actually got something that is so specific to the actual production that you're working on?
1: Yes, so exciting. And I think like that's what I love (laughs) about theatre. I think, you know, because we were working with a brilliant composer for for Lovesick as well. I think like music is something that really speaks to me. And I feel like it's such a powerful tool to be able to evoke feeling in a different way. In order to create world, to create atmosphere, to create time and place, I just think it can do so much with so little what I found actually with Lovesick and Proud is having these conversations with composers where I'm kind of trying to articulate what I want to evoke and both of them are so skilled that they can go away and come up with something that it's just one captures the feeling that I want but also does 101 other things and I think that kind of is true collaboration and has been so wonderful actually to to work with people that that really listen to what okay. I want and, and the world that I'm trying to create but bring their own kind of flavor as well. So yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah. And so you've now got proud on which is really exciting. What do you want audiences to hopefully take away from the production?
1: Yeah, I think I hope that they resonate with some of the themes in the production but i hope they also just leave feeling like through recognizing the power of connection i guess and that the power of like our desire for connection is what for the characters is what keeps them coming back despite the difficulties the things that complicate and strain their relationships is the fact that they so badly want basic need for human connection which means they keep coming back to one another and eventually means they manage to resolve something so i think like it kind of celebrates for me anyway whether it's what the writer intended i feel like I, i it hopefully celebrates like human connection and the strength of that but also the power of communication and when we and conversation when we actually stop to listen and speak and understand one another actually like uh- our connections deepened. So I guess kind of those two things. I think like the characters go on a journey through the play where they very much can only see things through their own lens at the beginning of the play. Yeah. And it's through kind of being able to learn and have some of their assumptions shattered through the course of the play and actually like be it having their perspective shift a little bit that they're able to understand each other better. And I guess if something similar could happen for the audience in watching the play, that would be amazing. So I hope something like that.
0: <laughs> well, I also fingers crossed that audience feel that as well i'm actually i'm coming to see the production next wednesday so i'll be there watching i had a friend come yesterday tom sparrow i think he yeah. said that he, he very briefly spoke to you afterwards uh, but then he also got sidetracked talking to a couple about a theater that he would recommend and i was like oh well it's nice you got to talk to marley at least uh, last <laughs> night but he did tell me today that he really enjoyed it which is fantastic to hear and like i say i'm coming next week which is really exciting so marley what I yeah. really want to know is if you could go back and tell a younger Mali, or mm-hmm. if you can tell listeners advice that you would give them if they want to be a director or a dramaturg, what advice would you have for them coming into this industry?
1: Don't give up and persevere. I think like yeah. the last years has been really challenging for everyone. But just speaking from personal experience, just getting this play on has been a huge challenge I'm also producing the play so I didn't give myself yeah. the easiest job but it's definitely not been easy and I think there are many many times where I felt like it's not worth it I'm just going to give up but I'm so glad I didn't do that because now it's on and it's it's really exciting and yeah. definitely it's it's worth it so I guess it's like persevere even when the going gets tough like keep going the other thing I would say is like find your own voice as a creative I guess yeah. I'm still in the process of doing that but I think I often feel like other people are obviously going to have better ideas than me what do I what am I talking about out. And I think it's just like having the courage of your convictions. And actually, I have very strong opinions about things and very particular about how I like things to be. And I think I kind of have to embrace that and feel like mm. that's maybe just me developing my style. And hopefully, it will yield good results. I don't know. But I guess, yeah, having kind of confidence in what you like and what you want to say about the world or what you want to ask with your work. Yeah.
0: I do think, yeah, you have to believe in the work. That you create especially when mm-hmm. your work and the actors work play a lot on what people talk about after a show you know they'll talk about the acting and they'll talk about the direction the most out of everything and you have to believe in what you're putting out that what you're putting out is right so you're absolutely right you just have to believe in it and persevere with with all the hits that you get and believe in the work that you create because ultimately it will pay off and it will be amazing.
1: For sure, for sure. Okay, Marley,
0: so thank you so much for talking about Proud and about your advice that you've got for younger people. We want to move on to the final question now, which is very exciting because it is actually the title of this podcast and that is The stagey Place. And Marley, what I love to ask my guests is where their stagey place may be. So this could be the theatre that you first worked at. It could be the theatre that you've grown up with, like your local regional theatre. It could be the theatre that has your favourite production on. It could not even be a theatre. It could be a rehearsal space. It could be a dressing room. It could be somewhere that you first had your memory of creating art. But Marley, there are so many options to pick from. What to you is your stagey place?
1: Well, this is probably a really classic answer that you get all, all the time, but I guess one of mine would be the Royal Court. Although I actually don't go to the theatre very often because I live really far away, I think because I love new writing, it always mm. has felt like a really exciting venue. But I also said that because I was thinking of one play in particular, and I don't know why this pops into my head, but it's a play called The Nether. Yes. Oh. It's a... yes, yes. I think we talked, like, yes, I, was try- yeah. I was trying to remember which, whether it was in their downstairs space or not. I, I can't remember. I, I can't think it was probably remember. in their main stage, but... I think like that, I mean, I don't know if i should say what it's about, but I mean, it's about, mm. about pedophiles. So yeah. it sounds really strange, but I'm picking this as like my top play.
0: Yeah. But I
1: think <laughs> the way they created the online world in that theatre was incredible. I think it's so hard to do that. I feel like theatre is mm. still adjusting to how to incorporate technology in a way that still makes it feel incredibly live and theatrical, but also utilises what we have access to in like the 21st century and i think it did that in such a stunning way i think also i'm partly thinking about that moment because i really wanted to use projection and proud and we decided so my designer justin also wanted to use projection and it's a conversation we've been having for a while and we decided after like the first preview to cut the projection Mm. which i was a little bit like that's really sad but it felt like we were never going to get it to the place we wanted to in the time that we had like it's it's a very time-consuming thing and also we just didn't have the budget to get it to a place where we felt really happy with. And so I guess I don't that made me think a little bit of this play and how they could use projections so effectively so I guess like that would be just feels very stagey but also very current and just like really inspired me as a director so yeah
0: yeah well Marley I'm not sure if you ever have listened to any of the previous episodes but the Royal Court is actually my stage of place as well oh, uh, no and literally not not for the nether but for the new writing and the way that okay. they yeah. construct it and bring it to mm-hmm. a massive audience which is not a fringe theatre but is you know actually brings new writing to the stage I love the Royal Court I yeah. love to go and see stuff there I didn't see The Nether there, but I read it as a group from uni, we actually got together over lockdown and we actually read the play and spoke about the play afterwards. It was just, I don't know, somebody in the group uh, recommended it, I can't remember who it was, but we love that type of theatre, like Alistair McDowell's Pomona which was <laughs> on at the National. Yeah. And obviously he does a lot of the Royal Court stuff now. Yeah. There was also you talking about technology and online technology. I'm not sure if you saw Southern Methods of Killing Kylie Jenner, but they used the Twitter sphere in the yeah, Royal Court.
1: Cool. Yeah, I'm really sad I missed that. It looked great.
0: Yeah, but it was yeah. amazing. And like you say, using technology and using projection is really fascinating. But it's just amazing that you spoke about the Royal Court. You're the first guest in 39 episodes that we've had, say, the Royal Court. And okay. it's been a match with me so uh, i'm very <laughs> excited that somebody else agrees that the royal court is their staging place
1: that's so great
0: <laughs> well marley that actually brings us to the end of our podcast then it's been so lovely to get into chat with you again we're doing this virtually i know that before we've been in person and we've actually worked on a project together it's so exciting to see you doing proud now at the king's head theater it's on for the next couple of weeks which is very exciting and also to hear a little bit about Love Sick and how that developed And then also hearing again, once again, that the Royal Court was your stage place. It's absolutely fantastic. Marley, thank you so much for coming onto the stage place today. It's been an absolute pleasure.
1: Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's been great to chat to you and see you again. I can't believe I didn't know it was going to be you. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Bye, thanks so much.
0: And there we go, that was episode 39 of The Stage of Place with today's guest, Marley Hacko, who is currently directing Proud at the King's Head Theatre in London until the 12th of March, 2022. Again, it was really exciting to have Marley on considering that we've worked together previously and to hear her talking about Lovesick, which was the show that we worked on and how she managed to get from the first read through to the stage with both Lovesick and Proud was really exciting to listen. And also the admiration she had has for her creatives whether or not that's for her sound or lighting and how much she loves working with other people and visionizing what she wants on stage so i'd love to thank marley once again for coming on to the podcast and to you the listeners for tuning in to this episode so until next time when we reach episode 40 of the stagey place i hope you are keeping safe and staying stagey goodbye